Thanks for checking out this weekly Sunday message from Carrollton UMC. We pray that God will use this to speak to you and help you grow in faith. We invite you to join us this Sunday at our 10.30 a.m. one-hour service in person at our location in Uptown New Orleans or live online on our YouTube channel or Facebook page. To learn more about Carrollton, please visit carrolltonumc.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Our scripture this morning is actually a twofer. We get two for one today for the new year. We start in the Old Testament with the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And our second scripture is from the letter of Paul to the Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. The word of God for us, the people of God. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you in all ways, for you are our rock and our ever-present Redeemer. Amen. When you receive news like we did on Friday night of Nick's passing, everything changes. Plans change. Outlooks change. Outcomes change. Church changes. Thank God that God remains the same. As we leave another tumultuous year, 2023, and enter a new one, it's helpful to remember that God has a plan for each of our lives. The prophet Jeremiah spoke those words we just read from Jeremiah 29 to the Jews who had been living in domination under Egypt and then under Babylon. Before being eventually carried into exile, they had been in Jerusalem, and then they were moved out of Jerusalem into Babylon. And if you dig a little deeper, the chapter right before chapter 29, chapter 28, Jeremiah had just pronounced judgment on a false prophet, a guy named Hananiah, who had told Israel, he said, Israel, God's going to break the yoke of Babylon in two years and and free the Israelites. While that message was probably appealing to the Israelites, it was a lie, and it resulted in God removing Hananiah from the face of the earth. Instead, Jeremiah tells Israelites, he says, look, you're going to live in Babylon for 70 more years, sorry, but that they should settle down, they should build houses, they they should marry, they should even pray for the prosperity of the city in which they found themselves. And when you understand that context, we discover that the words that we just read from Jeremiah 29, 11 were spoken to people in the midst of hardship, in the midst of suffering, people who were likely desiring to be immediately rescued, much like Hananiah had told them they would be, but lied about. But God's response is not to provide an immediate escape from the difficult situation. Rather, God promises that he has a plan to prosper and give them a future 
in the midst of their current situation. We can take comfort in knowing then that that scripture from Jeremiah is not a promise to immediately rescue us from hardship or suffering, but instead is a promise that God has a plan for our lives, regardless of our current situation. God can and will work through that to prosper us and to give us a hope and a future if we allow God in and let him do so. God promises that he is still in control. Even when things are bleak, God promises that even though things might not make sense to us now, God's plan is always good. Jeremiah 29, 11 is not a promise that we'll be prosperous in this life or that as long as we trust God, life will be easy and that we'll have all that we want. It is instead a reminder that even though we may face difficulty in this life, God's promises remain true. All things work out for those who trust in God. Maybe not how we want it. I, I can imagine that the Israelites probably didn't want to spend 70 more years in captivity, but God led Israel through those dark times, and he will lead us through ours. I think that's part of why Jesus said what he did in Matthew 6, a scripture that we quote here often at Carrollton, when Jesus says, therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you're going to eat or drink, or about your body, or what you will put on. Is life not more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value to God than they? That statement's not a promise. You don't hear anything in there from Jesus where he says, there was nothing to worry about, and your life will be worry-free and carefree. But it's a promise that even in the event of storms, we can have peace. Having faith and believing in God means trusting that God's plan is what is best for us, even when it doesn't make sense to us. Which gets us to our second scripture from the New Testament, 2 Corinthians Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. When we place our faith in Jesus, we become new creations. Now, obviously, there are things that don't change about us. We keep our physical features. We probably more or less keep our personalities, for better or worse. We keep our family. We're still susceptible to sin. But elsewhere in us, there is massive change. Our view of life our priorities, our perspectives, the shame we used to carry with us, the things that once entrapped us, all those things change. And this new life brings with it peace and joy because we are living the life that God intended for us. A new creation also means that there's an old creation that's going away. It's passing. And once we have once before, we filled our lives with other things, things that were other than God, that promised us peace and happiness and joy, but they ended up robbing us of all those things. They didn't bring life, but instead they brought death and misery and discontent and envy and hate and unforgiveness. The fact that we can become a new creation is itself good news. In fact, 
It's the aspect of our salvation in Jesus, a literal part of the good news, an aspect of that salvation that manifests itself while we are alive. It's the aspect that literally makes our lives worth living. The Apostle Paul is telling these people in Corinth in that scripture not to abandon their new life in Jesus like someone might abandon a New Year's resolution. One of my favorite songwriters, a guy named Steve Kahn, who has some really good, deep Louisiana roots, has a terrific song called Comfort Me. And in that song is a series of lines. Please indulge me singing. Sometimes it ain't easy. You realize that God has different plans. And if I want so crazy... I'm sure I would understand. Someday I'll meet Jesus, and he and I will laugh at all my dreams. But this ain't someday. I'm down here on my knees. God sees things that we don't see. He is orchestrating a story that we are not privy to. One day things will be revealed to us and we will see the bigger, larger picture. But until then, we have God's promise. The message of the gospel is not one of an easy life. It's a promise, though, that we can have hope because the God we serve and love and the God who loves us is always walking beside us. And my friends, that's where these two scriptures, the one from Jeremiah and 2 Corinthians, come together. Our plan for the new year, our New Year's resolution or whatever you want to call it, has to start with becoming a new creation in Jesus. That is a fundamental change that transcends all of those other small resolutions we might otherwise cook up regarding finances or health, or relationships, or even more mundane things that we say we commit to, but don't commit to Jesus. Once we make that commitment to Christ and become the new creation, our plan for the new year becomes abundantly clear. It's not our plan. It's God's plan. I close with what I think is a poignant example of God's plan and action, which may not have made sense at the time. In fact, it had Jesus even asking, God, is there some other way we can go about this? From Matthew 26, right before Jesus was arrested. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. Going a little farther, Jesus fell on his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Yet we know how that all turned out. Jesus' full life and death and resurrection was in fact God's plan to prosper you 
and not to harm you, a plan to give you a hope and a future in God's own way, in God's own time, in God's own wisdom. Thanks be to God for the year behind us and the new year to come. Let us pray. God, as we reach a new year, renewing us a right spirit of faith and compassion and love and openness to your word and to your Holy Spirit, Lord, so that we may embrace the plan you have for us in 2024 and for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.